0: Good morning. morning. How is everyone doing this morning? Good. It's always neat that I hear several different answers that kind of don't make any sense to me when I come up here, but it's good. I hope nobody was like, oh, awful, but still. So uh, I'm going to start with a question, a couple questions. Uh, <laughs> how many Purdue freshmen does it take to screw in a light bulb? The answer is zero because that's a senior level course at Purdue. Okay. (laughs) When I was talking to Tim Oldfield earlier, I almost switched it to UC, and I was like, oh, that's probably bad, so I'm not (laughs) going to. So we are in the miracle series, the God of Miracles series, and this is such a cool series because All of our lives in the church, we read and we hear about miracles, and we think about them, and we look for them. And in this series, we find that we still can see them, and there's always something to learn from them. There's always something amazing that comes from them. And and just throughout the series where I've spoken, we've talked about how the Red Sea can can be something in front of us, something that blocks us, something that, that, that affects us, and how God can still part it. And we've talked about how he tears down walls, how he heals, how he does everything And how he has a role for us. And it's so awesome to be a part of that. And so as we go through the miracle series, I want to talk about that role in the life of one of his disciples. And so we're going to talk about Peter and John a little bit. And so I'm going to go to Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth uh, was being carried in each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. So it's really cool, and there's a line right away that I think sometimes I don't notice, sometimes we don't notice, but they're going to the three o'clock prayer service. This isn't that long uh, since Jesus went back up to heaven for them, and so that's Traditionally, when we accept that he died, and so they're kind of going to remember him in several ways, but they're going, uh, they had started churches, they're doing all these other things, but they still were going to honor him, to, to remember him, to, to allow his impact to go to other people. And so Peter and John, they're walking through, and this person who, it says lame from birth, it could be, he couldn't walk, he, he couldn't talk, he couldn't do something, We could obviously talk, he couldn't walk something was wrong from birth. So he always dealt with this. It was something that, that always affected him. And so you can picture kind of the contrast. If you don't know what the beautiful gate is, uh, it's about 75 feet high, which is very high. Um, and it has a beautiful set of double doors. There are gyms. Like, it's a very beautiful thing. Some of you guys have probably seen it or been there to around it and known what it is. Uh, but so he's in front of that, and he's carried there every day to beg. He's carried there every day in front of the beautiful gate, which is in front of a church, and we're going to come back to that in a second, but he dealt with this suffering, he dealt with this malady, he dealt with this pain from his birth, from his birth, and so early on, he's probably, uh, you know, it's just kind of what life is for him, I don't know what his home life is, I don't know what his parents were like, but it's just kind of like something that he grew to accept. Maybe. He prayed for healing, maybe he prayed for hope, but over time, and he's an adult person now, over time he probably just came to accept it as the condition that he lived in, and so he just dealt with that. Uh, he, He was probably even taught to deal with it, like just, hey, make do, and so he couldn't do anything else, so he's begging for money, he's begging for his life, he's doing what he can. Now you can imagine this. And there are a lot of different viewpoints in the capital C church about what to do here. And I've heard a lot of different Christians and a lot of different people talk about, well, you never give money because they might waste it or they might do this. Or you always give money because of this or whatever. Here's what it comes down to. You are never going to know what the good you do does in someone's life. You're probably never going to know. Sometimes, sometimes you'll see the impact. Sometimes people will come back. But most of the time, what we put out there, we just pray and hope that it leads them to Jesus. And so I have a quote from C.S. Lewis that, that goes with this for me. And it is, where is it? it is that love is never wasted. Love is never wasted, for its value does not rest upon reciprocity. Which means you put love out into the world, and whether or not you get it back, that does not matter. It does not erase the value of the love that you've put out there. Jesus did nothing but love everyone. And what did he receive in return? Not very much love. But look at the value of his love and how it went to Peter and John, how it went to Paul, how it went to Timothy, how it goes to us, and how we carry it on. And so they were showing love to this man. And so if you're in this situation, I cannot tell you what to do. I'm not going to make financial decisions for you. You can look at my portfolio and know that I shouldn't. (laughs) And by portfolio, I mean I have like two stocks and if that, so, but it's always going to be our call, our decision in the moment, whatever. But whatever you do, whatever you do, it's showing love. You have to show love. It, it doesn't matter. I've had situations. I remember once several years ago, um, we were doing a Sunday night thing at Trey County for the youth and uh, someone, a family came to the door and they couldn't afford food. And, and they're like, hey, you know, do you have any money? I don't carry cash, so I didn't have any. And so I'm like, hey, just meet me at McDonald's after. And so I went and I bought them some McDonald's, and that was kind of the thing. I have no idea what happened to them from there. I, I, I don't, but it's something that, that I felt I could do. Um, if you do give money, if you do give time, if you do whatever, the most important thing is that we see the people around us that we listen to the people around us, that we care about the people around us, that we love the people around us, that we show that, and that will never be wasted. I know that it would be so awesome if you showed love to someone, if you talked to someone about Christ, if you gave someone something, if you gave them time, if you helped them, and then immediately, like a week later, they're like, hey, you know what? You really, really helped me. And it really changed my life. And that would be awesome. It's probably not going to happen. And so we kind of grow to think, well, us just wasted if I do this. And so we walk fast, we look up, we look away, whatever. We ignore things. We focus on our own stuff because we've got a lot. But that love that we show, it's never wasted. That good that we do is never wasted. And so what we do, and I've said this to you before, shows Jesus to the world. You, in a day, may be the only example of Jesus that someone sees, and that's such an important thing. And so we're going to go to Peter and John who knew him personally. Uh, And so we go to verse 4. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have in the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene. Get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and straightened. He jumped up and stood on his feet and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. We see the miracle right here. And there are actually a couple miracles here. Obviously the healing of the man, and you see how he reacts. And you don't have to imagine what he's thinking, because he's jumping around, and he's excited, and he's praising God. And he goes straight into the church, and that's so awesome. But the other miracle is Peter. Because this is the Peter who at one point was like, Jesus, you're not going to die. Why are you saying that? And he's like, get behind me, Satan. This is the Peter who uh, cut off a soldier's ear because he had forgotten what they were fighting for and he was confused and he was scared. This is the Peter who denied Jesus three times. And yet, this is also the Peter who Jesus said, do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? Yes. And that changed his life. That acceptance of love, that love, that hope, that changed his life. And so he grew more and more bold and more and more faithful. And so for him to attempt this miracle with God, it shows how far he's come and it shows his faith and it shows his strength. And that's such a miracle in his life. And as I've said before, and as everybody's said before, sometimes we think, I can't do that. Come on, I'm not a pastor, I'm not a priester, I'm a, pri- I don't know what that is, I'm not a pastor. <laughs> Nobody's one of those. <laughs> I'm, not <laughs> I'm not a pastor, I'm not a minister, I'm not a, a, a Sean, I'm not a whatever insert, I'm just a person, I'm just here. I can't do this. I'm struggling with this, and I'm struggling with that. And we think about that, but look at Peter. He had an up and down life, and yet he was healed of that. And he became so strong because God was filling him, because of his relationship with Jesus, because of the love he was shown, and then he flipped it around and showed it to other people. And so he says, I don't have any money. And he was very literal. Like, "I, I got nothing. But... I have Jesus. And let me show you what he can do. Let me tell you what he can do. Let me give you the hope, the healing that you've always needed, always wanted. And this man who had made do with his condition, and I point out again, and I come back to this. He was in front of a church. And I wonder how many people like Peter and John walked past him every day and maybe tossed some money down maybe made some comments, maybe ignored him completely. How many rabbis, how many Pharisees, how many strong, godly people just walked past him and didn't stop to see him, didn't stop to say, hey, can I pray with you? Didn't stop to say, hey, I got something more important than money. Didn't stop to do anything. I wonder how many people walked past him. But Peter and John did not. They saw him. They saw him and they loved him and they helped him to see Jesus. I've talked about this, the bystander effect, where sometimes you'll like you're walking by an alley and you hear something, you're like, somebody else will fix that, or you're at your home and you hear like an alarm somewhere. Not in your home, because you could probably jump to that. But you hear an alarm or you hear a scream and you're like, oh, somebody's got this covered. And it's not a lack of compassion thing, it's a thing where we just assume that someone else is gonna jump in and do something because There are people trained for that. And so a lot of people probably walked by and like, I'm sure somebody else is coming that will pray with this guy. I'm sure someone else will come that that is a better example than me. I'm sure someone else will come that, that will help. And someone else did. But Peter and John, they didn't think that. They thought, hey, something in front of me, someone in front of me needs Christ. So here he is. And that's so cool, and it's so amazing. And I have a quote from the greatest writer of our time, and one of the greatest thinkers of our time, Stan Lee. (laughs) And so, that person who helps others simply because it should or must be done, and because it is the right thing to do, is indeed, without a doubt, a real superhero. this quote means a couple things. For one, it proves that Spider-Man's better than all the other heroes, especially Batman. Because <laughs> he's the closest to Jesus, and you can read all the comics and prove that yourself. But it also says, doing good. That's not wasted. Doing good needs to be done. The world needs to see good. The world needs to feel love. The world needs to see examples of Jesus. And so if you do that, That's impactful. That makes you a superhero. I'm not saying go jump off the church and fly away, because that's not going to go well for you, probably. I'm saying that it means that you're filled with the greatest power that there actually is. Jesus. And that goes out to other people, and it shows other people. Sunday is awesome. It's awesome. And I was thinking while the the band was singing, and the last song, I had not really heard it before, and it was so cool, I I like the song. And I've said that I'm not a huge music guy, but I can still feel things. It's a weird statement, but. I was just thinking about the church, the capital C Church. And I sit there, and the people close to me probably see that I have these little routines where I reach down and I do all these things, and it's weird because I'm just nervous. And I'm not nervous because I don't trust God, because that's entirely why I'm standing here, that I do trust God. But I always kind of doubt myself, and that's just what I do, but I push through it, and and to me, that's a miracle for myself every day, because I push through it with him. He helps me. But I was thinking how much of a blessing it is, because if you think about it, it's really weird that this is my life. And Sean and and other people that are in ministry, I don't know if you think about this, but it's kind of weird... That our lives are standing here and talking or singing about Jesus. Like, that's a really cool thing. That's a blessing. Because there are a lot more difficult jobs. I'm definitely not saying this is easy. But it's such a blessing to be here in the church. Now, I'm sure that everyone here like, immediately ran out and live-streamed my traditional message last week. So, but I'm going to say this Anyway one of the things I said about the church is that sometimes we forget what the point of it is. Sometimes we think the church is here to serve us. Sometimes we think the church is here to be comfort. Sometimes we think the church is here as kind of like a club for us to hang out. But the church is here to show Jesus to the world. To prepare the disciples to go out in the world and then be the church. And so one thing about the church that is so important to know, it is not the church's business in this world to simply make the present condition more bearable. It's not on us to just make things status quo for people. See, the church's business is to show hope, to be a miracle, to show Jesus' love, to show that life can be better, to show that things can be better, to show that we can be better. That's the whole point of this, to show that if you choose Jesus, it is actually a better way of life. It actually saves you. It actually helps you. It actually makes a difference. We have to show that. That is the miracle. That's the example of a better way. It's not condemnation. It's not judgment. It's definitely not politics. I'm not saying not to be involved in that. I'm saying that our role is to be better and to show people who Jesus is. The most famous verse in the Bible, for God gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Awesome. That's what we're based on. We're also based on the next one. And that talks about discipleship. Where Jesus came not to condemn the world, but to save it. Again, I'm not saying don't point out wrongdoing. I'm not saying beside. I'm saying the opposite. I'm saying show what it means to be a disciple. Show what it means to be like Christ. Peter and John showed him. They didn't say, hold on, before we heal you, let's talk about your past, and let's talk about all the things you've done, and let's talk about everything going on in your life right now. They said, let's heal you, and then we're going to show you Jesus. And they didn't even have to take him to Jesus. He was so excited and so hopeful. And the joy that he felt definitely came from the healing, but it also came from the fact that Peter and John saw him. That they listened to him. That they exemplified Jesus in the exact way they were called to do, in the exact way that we are called to do. And it's such a miracle even if the the man had just thanked them and like, thank you so much, and then walked off, even if he had just run off and not thanked them, that was still worth it. Their love, their healing, their ministry was still worth it. And it still would have impacted his life in some way. What we do as a church, that's capital C, as a Christian, as a disciple, it's not for our glory. It's for his. It's to point to the real superior. It's to point to the real truth. It's to point to the one who can do anything. Going back to the scripture, verse 9. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar, they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonical, col- colonnade, sorry, I don't know why I can't read today, uh, where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. Peter saw this opportunity and addressed the crowd. People of Israel, he said, what is so surprising about this? And why stare at us through, uh, though we had made this, as though we had made this man walk by our own power or godliness? The message here. Was what they did, the love they showed, the healing they did, but it was also his healing. People saw that, and they recognized him, and that's a message of hope, and a message of redemption, and a message of a life that's better, but also the message is that Peter and John stopped to help him. They stopped to listen. They stopped to care. They stopped to pray. They stopped their lives. And focused on what God could offer someone else. That is such a strong message. And so people saw that. And Peter did not waste the opportunity. He immediately pointed them to Jesus. And he's like, hey, you're acting like we did this. He did this. Now let me tell you about him. And it's such an awesome thing. And if you go back to Acts uh, chapter 3 and you read this, it's such a powerful message. And it's Peter talking about what Jesus had done for him, and what Jesus can do, and and how Jesus had been treated, and yet, how he redeemed, and how he's the Savior, and and telling all of the truth and everything. And people listened. That man listened, all because Peter and John were disciples, and stopped and listened, and stopped and helped, and stopped and showed love. All because Peter and John were different from all of the thousands of people that walked by before. Before. They didn't bypass the opportunity. They reveled in it, and they pointed to Jesus, and it was such an awesome thing. And it made a difference, and it made an impact. And that miracle grew exponentially. And I don't know everyone in that church, although I went to school with some of them. But I am positive that those who listened, especially the man who was healed, went out and told other people, And I'm positive that some of those people, their lives were changed. And they're like, let's go check this out. And I'm positive that some of those people talked, and some of those people talked. That's why we're here, because this kept going. That's how Christianity works. It's when we show it, when we show who Jesus is, it impacts other people, and it's such a powerful move. And no one, no matter what they say, no matter what they think, no matter what they do, can turn away from the truth of Jesus when they see it. Now, they may ignore it for a while, but it always has an impact and it always plants a seed. And we are the seed planters. I don't know farming. I don't know if there's like a specific term for that. But we do that. And then Jesus grows it. Because when we do good, that good has an impact. When we show Jesus, he absolutely has an impact. Now, here's the thing. Being a disciple can be a bittersweet thing. It can be very hard sometimes. And I'm not just saying because you pour your heart out, you pour your life out to someone and they kind of turn away or they hurt you, although that's something that happens. But sometimes, even as you're pouring your life out and showing Jesus and living for Jesus, other people who aren't even involved start to hate you or start to dislike you because when we... Show Jesus, when we live for him, when we do good, that shines a spotlight on everyone else too. And it's always, always, always going to be easier to tear down someone else than to build up yourself. So that's the bittersweet. Like, the stronger you are as a disciple, the closer you get to Jesus, sometimes the fewer people around to kind of be there for you. Now the church is here for you. But sometimes it is very hard. And so there's a cost. And Peter and John show this. And through this message, after this, they get called out for it. They get in trouble. Eventually they get in trouble for a lot of things. Essentially only preaching Jesus, only loving Jesus, only showing who Jesus is. Peter's killed. John's exiled. But I guarantee they did not regret a moment of it. If it was all reward... Literally everyone would do it. Like, we would be packed. We would have chairs on top of chairs on top of chairs, and that would be very uncomfortable. But it would be true, because if there's all reward, it's easy. I have another quote. And this is from Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and I know you probably can't read that. The life of discipleship can only be maintained as long as nothing is allowed to come between Christ and ourselves. Neither the law, nor personal piety, nor even the world. The disciple always looks only to his master, never to Christ and the law, Christ and religion, Christ and the world. Only by following Christ alone can he preserve a single eye. Being a disciple, Means following Jesus, not Jesus and Republicans, not Jesus and Democrats, not Jesus and Libertarians, not Jesus and insert whatever you want to insert. Following Jesus, following Jesus means He alone is your master. That means sometimes the world not going to be happy with you. It means sometimes things are going to crash down. It means sometimes you're going to get in trouble just for doing what's right. But it also means he's with you every single step of the way. And it means that he's in you. And it means that he's going through you. And it means you're living the life he lived. And that's what we're called to do. And it's so awesome. And the impact, the good that we do by proclaiming his name, by proclaiming his message, by showing it to people. Powerful. It's powerful. Now I'm going to talk about Dietrich for a second. And I actually found the quote by researching his life. So he was a Lutheran minister during the 1940s. And most of his messages were very anti, I mean, all of his messages were anti-Nazi. But I mean, he was very strong against what was going on in Germany at the time. Let me add something else here. He was a German Lutheran minister. So he was in Germany and preaching against what was happening. He was not a target because he's a Christian. He was not in danger because they were going after the Jewish nation. He was just there, and yet he made himself a target because he saw others that needed help. He saw others that needed Jesus. He saw others that needed a disciple. And he kept doing it, and he kept doing it. And at the time, he was pretty much alone, especially in Germany, in speaking against this and saying, hey, we got to do something. we got to come together, and we've got to point out the injustice. We've got to show the world Jesus. And he kept doing it. And he was not perfect. But he kept doing it. And in 1943, he was arrested and put into a concentration camp. And in 1945, he died by hanging. And I realized that's a horrible, horrible, dark thing. Like, oh, no, he died. What's the point? Well, here's the point. His death, combined with his message was one of the things that set off a movement of renewed revival. And other ministers, especially ministers in America, picked this up and said, look, we have to stand up for Jesus here. We have to show Jesus to the world. Martin Luther King Jr., Billy Graham, big-name pastors, stood up. And eventually, you know how it worked out? The good guys won, but he died so that other people could pick up his message. That sounds very, very familiar, right? That's as close to Jesus as you can get. And it was because God was in him. And again, it's so sad that it happened. But he would be up there right now with Peter and John saying, hey, I don't regret it. Because I gave the message Jesus gave to me and I did not back down from his truth, from his power, from his glory. I showed Jesus. And then other people saw it and it started to grow and it started to grow and it started to grow. We may not see what we accomplish with our lives. But if you serve him completely your life will absolutely accomplish things beyond anything you can imagine. And even though you may not see it, other people will, and other people will feel it, and that will grow. And it's so powerful, and it's such a miracle, and it's all because of him. Because Jesus set that example and then said, listen, I'm going to die for you. Not just so that you can live, not just so that you can go to heaven, not just so that you can be saved, but so that you can go and show this message with everyone else. And so that you can live it out. So that you can be like me. And then we do that. I want you to think about something. I want you to think about someone who, when I say the word disciple... They match that in your head. Someone you've known. Someone, it could be a family member, it can be a pastor, it can be a friend, it could be someone next to you. Think about that person. That person who made an impact in your life for Jesus, that person that showed you Jesus. I've said before, my great grandmother took me to church from two years old on and made sure I was there and made sure that I paid attention. And I could be difficult. Shocking, I know. But I think of her. And as I said, she was not perfect, but she showed me Jesus. And I'm standing here because she made sure that I saw that path. And she actually never got to see me preach. Because her Alzheimer's kind of took her, she maybe in moments of clarity, knew that I was doing it. But I think about her when I do. And I believe that she sees me now. And that's who I think of. And I think of other people. I've been blessed because I grew up in the church to have so many people that have served as disciples for me. So I want you to picture those people. Picture someone who just really impacted you, like Peter and John impacted this man. Someone who helped you, who listened to you, who loved you, who brought you to church, who did something as a disciple. Our goal is to live our lives in such a way that in 50 years when I'm standing here, and I'd use that illustration that a bunch of people are in the crowd that picture you. When I say picture a disciple, and they picture you, not for your glory, not so that you're remembered like that, but they picture the impact you had on their life for Jesus, that they remember what you did as a disciple, that you pick up that cross and you carry it. So before you speak, Ask yourself, is what I'm about to say from Jesus or from me? Is what I'm about to say promoting Jesus, promoting the path of a discipleship, or is it just shining the light on myself? Before you post, is it showing what Jesus would show, or is it just proven who you are? Does it have an impact in a positive way? Now, I'm not saying don't share family pictures. I'm not saying don't post anything. What I'm saying is, think about that. Because that's how we grow as disciples. We think about what it means to be a disciple, and then we act on it and we grow. Peter and John, neither one started out as who they became. But every move they made, they thought about Jesus. They thought about discipleship. They thought about how to help people. And they still weren't perfect, but they thought about it and they acted on it and they grew. We have to do that because the world's in a dark place, guys. We have to be the light. That's the miracle we can provide, Jesus' light. We have to shine that on everyone and show people who he is and why we're here at 9.30, at 10.27 on a Sunday why we do this why we get up why we deal with people it's because of him and Peter and John showed that and so can we because he is with us he is with us he is with us every single step of the way and boy does he see something in you and he can do something through you. All you have to do is follow him completely. That's all I got. I'm wearing a shirt today which isn't a surprise. But this is from a far retreat I did back at Tri County. And it says, what if? I assume you can read that. On the back, and I'm not going to turn around because this is live on the internet. But on the back, it has, do to others as you would have them do to you. This is the message. This is the summary of the prophets. You know the verse. But under that, this is where the what if comes in. it says, What if every Christian did that? Every Christian in the world, what if we actually lived that out? We actually did to others as we would want them to do to you, to do to us. Scratch that, actually. What if we did to others what Jesus would do to them? What if we said to others what Jesus would say to them? What if we loved others the way Jesus loves them? Imagine what would happen in the world. Now let's bring it down a little bit. What if just you did that? That's why we're here. And it's hard sometimes. It's hard. Because the people in the world, they're probably not going to respect it. They're going to make it really hard sometimes to show love. Really hard sometimes to be like Jesus. And... It's hard. That's as much as I can summarize. It's hard. Six years and a lot of college loans, it's hard. But it was hard for Jesus. But look at the grace he showed. And here's the thing. He said, if you follow me, If you are like me, you're going to do even greater things. It's a pretty powerful statement. And I believe it 100% because I believe in him 100%. As we go to prayer, picture those disciples again, but also think about why they represent Jesus. And let's pray for the strength, for the courage, for the conviction, for us all to do the same. Please bow your heads. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for bringing us together here today. I thank you so much for giving me the the, the ability, though I may doubt it, just the chance, Lord. And I ask that you be with everyone here, everyone that's online, everyone that can hear this message, everyone that can hear these words. Help them to know that you are with them. Help them to know that you love them. Help them to know that you have a plan for them. Help them to know that they are a miracle in you. Help them to know that they can follow you, that it is possible to be a disciple because you are helping us. And help us all to do that, Lord. Help us to be an example of you every step of the way. Help us to show your love, to show your truth, to show your mercy, to show your grace, to show your power, to show you every step of the way. Please lift us up, Lord. Help us as a church to come together to focus on You. Help us as a people to come together to focus on You. Help us to bring Your light to the world. To show Your love. To point the way to You, not to ourselves. Be with us as we go from here, Lord. In Your name we pray. Amen.